We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com, use their promo code BIGBLUE. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host, Nick Lovato. Today, we're going to break down the Giants defense on the All-22 film. So let's dive right into that bad boy right now. Let's start with the first drive for the Giants here, where they actually did a really good job getting off the field. Almost had an interception on this drive, floated just slightly out of bounds. But in the end, it was a five-play, 23-yard drive for the Vikings that ended in a punt. It starts in a 12 personnel look from the Vikings where they run a little play action from under center and find Adam Thielen for six yards. Yeah, Dan, this was Thielen's only catch in the game, I think. He only had, I think, a couple other targets, and I was a little surprised, but I also appreciate the fact that Wink Martindale's changing up his defense. Giants did not run a lot of cover one in this game, and you're going up against a receiver like Justin Jefferson. You're going to see a lot more cover six, a lot more just double covering types of uh, situations and I felt like in this game the New York Giants have done that like straying away from cover one isn't necessarily associated with what Wink Martindale does and uh, I think he only ran cover one like less than 10% of the plays in this game and this is also a good look at sometimes you know the Giants have run this play with the boot right and you could kind of see like oh looks like a receiver's open Hawkinson but you know Cousins ends up checking it down to Thielen. It's a little, it's a lot, probably a lot, you know, we don't see a lot of teams run this against the the Giants, obviously run it on their offense, but it's a lot harder to see that open receiver when you're rolling to the right. Um, And obviously the Giants get a defender in the face as well with the blitz. So sets up a second and four here. They're back in 12 personnel, the Vikings, which I was a little surprised they came out in 12, to be honest, but maybe, you know, they looked at the tape and they said the Giants are not a team that can really defend 12. And the Giants have an insanely light box here. They have a two, four, five look, which is, Kind of rare and seems very easy to run on, if you ask me, uh, especially with these linebackers. And so exactly what the Vikings do. They run it with Dalvin Cook. He rips off an 18-yard gain. Yeah, two four five. it's just a nickel defense. A lot of teams employ the Giants do, but not too much because the Giants are so focused on shutting down the run. You can see how Dalvin Cook just finds the crease. Michael McFadden gets taken out. Nice little cutback, and then it ends up being an 18-yard gain to set up a first and 10 where the Giants roll out another two four five front. Another two, four, five. This time it works a lot better here because they don't buy the fake at all. This is an interesting play. I haven't seen the Giants run this at all yet this season, or actually any team that's played the Giants on tape 
fake yet because they pump fake the quick throw and then hand the ball off. And Dexter Lawrence was having no part of this. It's just basically a simple halfback draw with the pump fake. But if you just look at the Giants defenders, no one really reacts to the pump fake. Yeah. That didn't even matter. 11 defenders could have reacted to the pump fake, Dan. Right. did not matter because Dexter Lawrence just absolute beast this entire game. And it's going to be sounding like we're beating a dead horse throughout this entire podcast. But he made several plays like this in the game where he just grabs the center or the guard, just tosses them aside and locates the running back and, and ends up finishing the tackle. He's just unreal. And he did, a, and, and he had just as many, you felt like, where he located, you know, the tackle and guard and then got in for a pressure in the pass game. This was, I thought this was probably the best game I saw of Dexter, and that's saying a lot. I'm curious what your take is on that. Let's pause for a second to, to talk about that. What game do you think might have been better that I'm forgetting at this time? So if I had to pick a yeah. game that rivals this one, Chicago is one that really comes up. Yeah, Some yeah, of that is Sam Mustafer. Some of that is Sam Mustafer, yes. There was one more that really kind of popped out. I'm going to look through his PFF because I actually have it up. It was the Houston game. He had nine pressures and two sacks in the Houston game. But other than that, and this is a a better football team than Houston and Chicago and Minnesota, and I know they don't have their starting center, but it didn't really necessarily matter. Dexter Lawrence was just absolutely dominating. Double teams, guards, centers. You're going to see that all throughout his tape. It's pretty impressive. That sets up a second 11. That kind of killed this drive, but... Here we have like a three, a cover three match look from the Giants here, but it's a rotation from their quarters look to start, which you see a lot quarters. Um, and look, just you can see from this once we get to the sideline angle, just an idea of what kind of attention the Giants are going to pay to Justin Jefferson most of this game. And when they didn't, they actually got burned. This was a game where I actually felt like, and we could talk about this later or now, this game to me more than any Nick, and maybe I felt this way a little bit watching Washington at times, but Heineke held it back. Prove to me that I think corner is a much bigger need than fans realize right now. I'm I'm not huge on Foster. I mean, uh, Fabian Moreau. I feel like he had you know a very nice start with the Giants, but when he's in these situations where he's in like man coverage against Jefferson, you'll see at times, or just in general, kind of on an island, he's just not. I don't think he's he's a plus player for the Giants. He's he's done a great job for them with what they've asked him to do out of nowhere. But that's to me, I feel like there's more competency from guys like Slayton Hodgins than there is from guys like Moreau. Just just my take on the situation. I don't think that's a bad take either. I mean, Moreau, and then cornerback is also a reactionary position. You're reacting to what the wide receiver is doing. The wide receiver, if he has a good rapport with his quarterback, as Justin Jefferson does with Kirk Cousins, they're going to have the step on the cornerback. And Moreau is fine. He's a fine cornerback, but he's not like a sauce gardener or one of these like high Pat Sertain type of players. So I would agree with that fact. And we know how important cornerback is in Wink Martindale's system. But on this play, ends up going incomplete to Adam Thielen. Nick McLeod, solid job just clicking closing downhill on a quick out route. But Thielen should have caught this. He ends up just bobbling it and then eventually dropping it. And we'll get to those examples later where we can take a deeper look at Moreau. I just feel like he's bad. He's been fine. I just feel like he's not making a lot of plays lately. So we have a third and 11 now. The Giants getting third and long. This is the down and distance like these third and long third and eight third and nine third and ten third and eleven plus where this defense really comes alive because they can you know use their pass rush occasionally they blitz this was just a four-man pressure but they got enough to get in cousin's face and force him to kind of just rip this ball on a sideline throw great coverage here from McLeod and really nowhere to go for cousins almost intercepted almost intercepted it's just a four-man pass rush giants just drop back into quarters and basically the Vikings just run four verts with benders from the number two, then a two by two set. Nick McLeod is all over TJ Hawkinson. And we've seen teams kind of target Nick McLeod whenever he's isolated against these bigger tight ends. He surrendered a touchdown earlier in the season against Dalton Schultz when they were facing Dallas on Thanksgiving. And here, 
Adam or uh, TJ Hawkinson just doesn't really get any separation. Nick McLeod's kind of all over it and almost comes away with an interception of Kirk Cousins, but instead it ends up just forcing a punt. And so we get off the field there. First drive goes for nothing for Minnesota. And that leads us to our second drive here, which was a five-play, 11-yard drive that ended in a punt. Once again, the Giants did a good job on this drive of getting the Vikings into a third and long situation. You'll see a theme this game. They can get them in third and long. It's a good thing. And this was this first play, which was a three-yard run for um, Dalvin Cook. I thought it was an excellent play by Leonard Williams. Look at where 99 starts on the play and look at where he ends up right in the middle of that tackle. And obviously, Kayvon Thibodeau does a really good job to kind of cl- – to what's it called, to kind of shield off the the, the lineman and force the run back inside. Yeah, he's just restricting that, I guess it would be the B-gap. And Leonard Williams is excellent in backside pursuit. You had Julian Love, who was down there in the box, also just kind of step up after it looks like there could have been like an RPO to the – to the KJ Osborne side, maybe like a tag just to kind of draw love away, but love didn't fall for it. And the giants just rally and make a nice play on Dalvin cook to set up a second and seven. Yeah. Second and seven here, just a little play action pass. Uh, you can see Cordell Flott If you're watching 28 bite on the run, that kind of opens up a little bit of that ability to get it to the flat and create eight yards. Eight yards for TJ Hawkinson. He's going to be heavily involved in this game plan. And this is the second play, though, that we've seen the Vikings work play action and kind of get Kirk Cousins on the move. Here, Kirk Cousins just notices that TJ Hawkinson's wide open in the flat because Flot bit up and he just dumped the football to him. That was definitely a point of emphasis from Kevin O'Connell's offense, though, is to get the Giants defense going in one direction and then attack them in another. Yeah, and sets up a first and 10 here. And you're going to see, you know, example of pressure breaking pipes here because KJ Osborne is wide open, but the corner, the great blitz by Holmes here and a good pass rush from Leonard Williams doesn't really give Cousins the chance to get the ball to the wide open KJ Osborne. And we know later in the game, you know, Wink has taken some flack for some of the blitzes later in the game, specifically the screen to end the game. But, you know, it, it's a, it's kind of like you, you, it's a give get type of situation here. Like sometimes it's going to work out. Sometimes it's not. Here's a good example of when it does, right? Because KJ Osborne is wide open, but the pressure is too heavy and Cousins doesn't even see him. Yeah, it's a feast famine type of mentality. And it's one reason why we love Wink. But times when the Giants are going to get burnt, you're going to get criticized for it at times, you know? And that's unfortunate, but that's football. Sometimes you get, sometimes you, uh, well, you're the uh, windshield and other times you're the fly, right, Dan? You're the bug. Bug? Yeah. So it's a fly bug. It's a poker. It's a, Believe it or not, it's a poker term or poker poker reference, I should say. And here's a second and ten here. They tried to run a screen, played well by Ojolari and Flock. Yeah, and the Giants gave up some big plays on screens, but then they also had plays like this where they did not, where it seemed like the Giants were really on top of everything. Here, Flot does a really good job, and I felt like Flot looked okay on tape. He just quickly saw what was going down and put himself in a position to tackle uh, Justin Jefferson along with Aziz Ojolari. So. Little encouraging signs from the rookie third round pick who missed most of the season with an injury. Yeah, for sure. And so on third and ten, they're trying a little uh, empty switch release here. You got a seven route from Hawk that he tries to throw, and Landon Collins just makes an excellent play on the ball. Look, everybody knocks Collins for not being able to play in coverage. This was a pretty damn good play in coverage. He locates the receiver, locates the football, gets his hand on the football to break it up. And you could just see how excited Brian Dable is after this play. If you're watching here, you probably see it from one of these angles. Um, Just watching it go down, that's Brian Dable right in his face. He's pumped (laughs) for Landon because, look, they called Landon up. It looks like at this point after last week and then or this game, the game before it, he's going to be a mainstay on this defense. And I think rightfully so. 
I agree. Definitely. He, he has a hybrid type of skill set, but he is capable enough to execute both of the assignments that he is asked to. I think that's important with the current state of the personnel and the Giants secondary. And this is a nice play. Look, Hawkinson has leverage to the outside. A better thrown pass, even though this is from the field side, it would have been a catch. This was thrown inside, but this allows Landon Collins just to fight through the catch point to knock this ball away and then have his coach do this to him. You can see how excited Brian Dable truly is. But the Giants get off the field for the second straight drive, which is good against a high-powered offense like the Vikings. Yep, it started off good, and then the third drive kind of went the haywire there. Uh, it's an eight-play, 84-yard touchdown drive. They backed the Vikings up all deep into their own uh, you know, area. But unfortunately, this was a big drive for the Vikings. It starts with a huge play here. It's a 25-yarder. To Justin Jefferson against cover three match. There's just a ton of space at the bottom of the screen for Jefferson to work with. You can kind of see on this snap the kind of, you know, respect the Giants are giving. Look how far off they're playing here. I, I think it's possible. You could probably tell me maybe Julian Love is supposed to um, break into that, like under, like break underneath the receiver to take away the passing lane. I'm not sure. You'll, you'll have a better answer than me. But either way, there's a ton of space and there's a huge hole for Cousins to throw into. And it's a 25 yard gain. Yeah, the number two receiver bends inside to the middle of the field. I'm not certain if Julian Love is supposed to take kind of the curl flat responsibility underneath Justin Jefferson. But I know similar to what we've seen teams do to the the New York Giants and Daniel Jones, where is Kirk Cousins? He's on that far hash and you want to bring the blitz. You want to bring some pressure. There's going to be areas of the field that are going to be open. So one area of the field that the Giants leave open is outside the numbers to the field side. Kirk Cousins has the type of arm talent, as does Daniel Jones, to punish you when you do this. And you can see how far off Fabian Moreau is, and Justin Jefferson just runs to the sideline, and there's really no one around him. It's a huge chunk gain on the first play of the drive. But also, bro, one heck of a rush, too, from uh, Dexter Lawrence. We got to check that out on the end zone. Yeah, you can see from the end zone it was. This is just tallied up, because he's already had the first drive where he made impact plays, just destroying the center. Here we have another play. Was going to destroy another interior offensive lineman. It's the center again. And he takes luckily, three, they had Dalvin Cook there to help. There's basically three offensive linemen that he takes out because he just sheds the center and then he ends up clipping the guard, which frees up Henry Mondu. And then Dalvin Cook has to get in the way. You can just see how active his hands are. Right, swim over the top, swim over the top. He's just so active, man. I don't know, man crush on Dexy Sexy or Sexy Dexy, I should say. He's having a hell of a year. So it yeah. sets up a first and ten here. And this is just kind of a good example of what Dalvin can do for your football team. He's just got those great vision cuts. Like this is such a pretty cutback by him to fit like that, that like a lot of running backs just do not see this ever. They'll just run right into the pile there and take two or three yards. He just has the ability to understand when to make these cutbacks. Um, And so this is a seven yard gain that should have been probably two or three. I think he sees Micah McFadden at this moment. Micah McFadden is penetrating at the snap and 67 just intercepts him. It's like, where's that linebacker now? to the backside nowhere right. so what am i gonna do i'm just gonna cut back and he does exactly that dexter lawrence ends up making the play but it's seven yards downfield it's impressive even how dalvin cook is able to cut in between johnny mutt's feet like johnny mutt has engaged yeah. with hattie at this moment and dalvin cook somehow cuts and gets power off of his cut around johnny mutt but and he doesn't trip that's true cut. he kind of like break that's pretty interesting normally when you cut with your right foot you're gonna go like take a straight line look he kind of like shuffles it backwards it's pretty cool yeah it's very he has a lot of like he has very good foot control and awareness on what he's doing with his yes. body. That's why he's one of the better running backs in the league. He's not like the fastest running back. He he does have speed, but he's not like the fastest running back or the most physically yeah. gifted. He's just a uh, like four or five. Just a damn good running back, dude. Yeah, just great vision, just great ability. 
um, processing is for sure. So this is second and three. The Giants are going to blitz here, and what does that do? It opens up this passing lane for Justin Jefferson, and he just wins inside for a 13-yard gain. It just felt like when I was watching this film, there's just a lot of wins for Justin Jefferson. Like, I know this is a tough assignment for the corner here, and he has to play off, and he has to really respect him, but he's just nowhere near the receiver here. It's off the play action, too. So the linebackers of the Giants, I'm not sure if it was a run blitz or if they were just right. reacting to the play action because it is an offset eye of two guys in the backfield. It's 21 personnel with two receivers, and it's just very difficult for Moreau to really stay on Justin Jefferson when both of your linebackers pinch inside and there's no underneath defenders. You have three guys over the top with basically no one underneath because everyone's reacting to the, the play fake. He does have help over the top, though. It just seems like he's really respecting that vertical. But, yeah, it's a tough assignment for sure. Sets up a first and 10 here. This is going to be a six-yard run into the A-gap from Dalvin Cook. Yeah, just right into a bunch of Giants defenders. But again, six yards. Like They're going to sign up for that any day of the week. And yeah. what is it? It's eye formation. You don't see a lot of teams get under center with with a fullback and run like this. You know, like you, The fullbacks like Juszczyk and, and CJ Ham and players like that, Like it's it's somewhat of a dying uh, breed at this point. But CJ Ham's he's pretty solid, and they have an effective rushing attack based off this. Speaking of CJ Ham, he's featured in the next play, a second and four, um, where... Cousin just makes the decision to to check it down to Ham here. There's a good cloud. They've got cloud and trail over the top of Justin Jefferson, which helps take him out of the play. So what does Cousins do? He kind of just takes the check down here in the flat. And like you like you can notice here with a lot of their route combinations, there's a, a route on on top of his that um, ultimately like not, I don't want to say like messes with the Giants, but kind of makes it harder. Like they have to fight over the traffic. Well, yeah, it's also, yeah, exactly. And Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be the player in coverage on CJ Ham. And Thibodeau, you can see Thibodeau's got some juice. Ham makes the catch, and Thibodeau ends up kind of just getting right to his hip, making the tackle. Yeah. But you're right. Like, he has to fight through that release and, and get to CJ Ham, who does a good job just staying kind of parallel to the line of scrimmage in order for Kirk Cousins to find him off again another play action pass, which is something that the Vikings just abuse. Just They just abuse it, bro. <laughs> I think they have yeah. one of the highest play action rates in the league. Yeah, they love to run it with O'Connell. Um, sets up verse and 10 here. They're going to run a little halfback toss, which we've seen work against the Giants at times. Any any of these exterior runs are pretty good against the Giants, and this is just a nice cutback right there by Dalvin Cook to pick up eight. Like That is just beautiful stuff. It's beautiful by Dalvin Cook, and it's also a really good job by Aziz Ojolari, somebody that we yeah. we um, we critique, I think is safe to say, about his run defending. He's going up against TJ Hawkinson, and you can see how he sets a firm edge and does not allow Dalvin Cook wants to go outside of Ojolari, but Ojolari just does not allow him to. He stays square to Dalvin Cook the entire time and forces that cutback. It's just unfortunate because there's really no Giants defenders to defend the cutback. That's not on Ojolari. So good play by right. Ojolari, and then Thibodeau ends up making the tackle, but it's several yards downfield. Then it's going to set up a second and two. A lot, you know, they're just kind of matriculating down the field. A lot of quick game off play action and runs, and this is a, a little whip route for TJ Hawkinson and. Cousins trusts him to win this, and he does, and it's an eight-yard gain. I like this little play, and it's it's in tight coverage, too, because you have both the linebackers in the middle of the field, right. and Hawkinson is going to kind of whip to the outside, act like it's just going to be a quick little simple <clears throat> excuse me, stick route, and then just come right back inside towards Jalen Smith, but Cousins just delivers a strike, and then Hawkinson ends up going down for, like you said, eight yards. But Thielen, if, if Kirk Cousins was just a little bit more patient, Thielen might have been open for a touchdown if we look at the top of the screen. It's something that I felt like was a little interesting. So I wrote it down in the notes because he's just kind of running a flat and then flaring towards the back pylon. 
And the Giants are in kind of like a cover two type of defense. Now, I'm imagining, though, that the defender who is on him, I'm thinking that's Nick McLeod, would probably react differently and sink maybe to depth to eliminate Thielen or if, if Kirk Cousins wasn't rearing back to throw the football. But either way, that safety wasn't going to get there. So I thought that was just something of note. Yep, for sure. And sets up a first and 10 here. This is uh, a really ugly looking play for the Giants here. Everyone bites on the play action at 22 personnel setting up a wide open TJ Hawkinson in the back of the end zone. Oh yeah. The, the giants deal with this type of route a lot because they run so much man coverage where TJ Hawkinson is going to bend inside kind of like he's running a deep over or a post and then just run to the back pylon. It's kind of like a Poco type route post corner and he's wide yeah. open. No one's even close to a Micah McFadden. I'm thinking is responsible for him in coverage. He's trying to pass TJ Hawkinson off. You can see him point. He's probably making some sort of pass off call, but Hawkinson ends up running to the deep corner on the, on the same side of the field. So there was no one to pass him off to and an easy touchdown for the Vikings. And that ends this third drive. They put seven on the board, seven, nothing Vikings at this point. And their next drive, they put another, they put another field goal on board to go up 10, nothing giants clamp down at the end, but they move the ball to start this drive. This one's a 10 play drive and they only go 42 yards. So, you know, it took a while, but they got there. It starts with the first and 10 run from Madison. And I think this one's worth highlighting on the film because Micah McFadden does a great job. And I really think, you know, one thing about McFadden, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I wouldn't call myself his biggest supporter just because he's not exactly what I'm looking for in a linebacker in today's game, but he does offer something the giants don't really have. And that's the physicality. He fills hard. He made, he made two really good plays in this game. This was one of them like this, the play he makes here, I think Nick is the reason why this is a stop quote unquote, right? It's only a two yard run game, which is a success for the defense. Exactly. Michael McFadden does such a good job recognizing out of eye formation what the play is going to be. And he meets CJ Ham, the lead blocker at the line of scrimmage. And that forces Alexander Madison to kind of bounce right back into, I think it's Jihad Ward maybe, or maybe it's Justin Ellis. Either way, great individual effort from Michael McFadden. And this is something that's been consistent with his film is his ability to fill within the tackle yes. box. He's very aggressive and physical in doing so. And he knows where to be and when to be there. It's just his issues in coverage, as we just recently saw, are kind of a, a big deal and something that will be exploited in the modern NFL. Exactly. So second and eight, another quarters look from the Giants. As you can see, this is, I mean, we've been seeing a lot of quarters when it's not cover one all season. And what do the Vikings do to take advantage of the leverage here? Again, so much respect paid to Justin Jefferson in this game. It's crazy just watching these corners so far off the ball and every single snap, they take at least two or three steps back after the snap. Um, just don't want to get burned deep by him. And that's an easy pitch and catch for 12. And you're going to surrender this all day instead of yeah. possibly giving Justin Jefferson a free release around your outside or your inside to get me vertical, which I don't think the Giants surrendered in this game. There was a lot of stuff in breaking over the middle of the field and a lot of these short passes. And Jefferson's so damn talented that he can turn that into a hundred something yards and a touchdown. He's unbelievable, Jefferson. And now you're seeing this, what? Nick alluded to earlier, a screen beat the Giants here. This one's the TJ Hawkinson. It's going to go for 16. I love it too, man. I love how Kevin O'Connell motions Adam Thielen away from the screen side. Everybody's kind of paying attention and looking to the boundary, but it's a tight end screen to the field. And when TJ Hawkinson catches his football, there is no giant within about 10 yards of him, right? And he right. has a lead blocker in space. Like that's just good X's and O's right there from the Vikings offensive staff. Yep. Well done. And that sets up a first and 10. I'm going to run a little play action bootleg. You're going to see something we've seen at times from the Giants, from their receivers. They Osborne here will kind of bluff block and then 
bounce out and uh, you know come off the fake block and he'll pick up eight yards here. Uh, pretty pretty easy pitch and catch. Yep, play action rollout, and this is something the Giants have done with Daniel Bellinger. They've done it with Chris Myrick. KJ is going to block and then just release and sit. And the defender who was on KJ Osborne is now pursuing Kirk Cousins. So wide open KJ Osborne is to, to pick up a few yards with his legs. And so that'll set up a second and two. Vikings actually flip here to a lighter group with 11 personnel here. This was another great play from Micah McFadden. I mean, this is a second and two. And what does he do? He does a great job of setting the edge here. And that turns this into a one yard run. This was actually my favorite play from McFadden this game. Yeah, he's going up against a, a tight end, but a linebacker against a tight end, and you have McFadden basically as an edge rusher, which is a unique formation. It's not necessarily always going to be a win, and you can see how Micah McFadden not only sets the edge, he's able to work back inside and then make the tackle on Alexander Madison as he's attempting to explode into the C-gap because Kayvon Thibodeau loses to Brian O'Neill. Brian O'Neill does a really good job positioning himself against Kayvon Thibodeau. Jalen Smith does a good job recognizing what is going on. The guard does not climb to locate him. Jalen Smith is in position, but Jalen Smith doesn't even really have to do much because Mike McFadden executed his assignment so well. Exactly right. Unfortunately, though, on this next play, they're able to sneak it for the first down here. That'll be uh, you know, just a classic quarterback sneak to set up a first and 10. Yeah, just a quarterback sneak. It's going to happen. Kirk Cousins picks it up. Things freeze yeah, in a little bit, stop. but you guys get the picture. <laughs> yeah, they're hard to stop. And that's a first and 10 setup here. Um, and this is a really good play on this first and 10 by Dexter Lawrence. This is a tackle for loss for the Giants. This is a big play that kind of helps derail the rest of this drive. Yes, and it was important, too, even though the Vikings end up getting a field goal. Just watch Dexter Lawrence get the penetration, have the strength to put the center on skates as he does. That's no surprise. But then he sees Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, I'm sorry, right in his face, able to quickly shed and then like just get really low and then just get an arm on Alexander Madison to make that tackle. It's just plays that 350-pounders don't typically make. Exactly. And that sets up a second and nine. And you're going to just see an easy, quick game concept here with a high-low. Um, this is just a six-yard out to TJ Hawkinson. Just kind of pick up yards, help set up a third and manageable. Yep, we've seen the New York Giants do a lot of stuff just like this in recent weeks as well. But you just get him out, outside, kind of release him behind Justin Jefferson. Giants are going to play to stop the the touchdown and allow you to, to take this type of yardage to set up third down and... Giants end up kind of getting a win here. They're okay with surrendering a field goal at this point. They just don't want to get beat for a touchdown. Yep, and that sets up one of the best plays of the game from the defense, this third and three. It was disease Ojolari making the big play here. Um, Vikings are going to try to run some mesh here, which mesh is a great beater against man. This is not necessarily a win for the Vikings, though, even before the sack because there wasn't really much open, I didn't think. Uh, maybe maybe the, the mesh route that's coming open on the screen here with uh, you would have to hope that McFadden will make the play on it, but it doesn't matter because Aziz Jojolari wins his pass rush, almost forces the fumble, gets back up, and then takes Cousins down. few things here. First off, watching Aziz Ojolari, this is kind of like a ghost technique where he's just going to dip that inside shoulder, kind of fake a long arm or just initiation of contact, and he just makes Christian Darisol whiff. Darisol does a good job trying to shove him around the arc, and Aziz has to turn on his body. That's exceptional body control and bend to turn that is not an easy edge to sack Kirk Cousins and almost knock the football away. I don't know how he didn't. Very impressive yeah. from Aziz Ojolari. But then you also have what looks like a mesh concept, but watch TJ Hawkinson's route. Like He isn't running a route. He is running a designed pick. This was a designed yeah. play to Justin Jefferson. And 
This is something that the Giants get flagged for all the time. But Darnay Holmes, you can see how the Giants are handling mesh. They're passing these things off with this type of coverage, right? Because they're in a quarters right. type look, match type look. You could, Darnay Holmes knows TJ Hawkinson's coming into his own, so he passes Justin Jefferson to Micah McFadden, but the sack ends up happening. That's going to happen later in the game too, Dan. We're going to see the same type of play, and right. that was the play where Darnay Holmes ended up making the tackle. Very nice, impressive tackle in space that forced a, I think, fourth down that the Giants ended up winning and ended up forcing a turnover on downs. We'll see that in a little bit. Yep. Next drive, the fifth drive, is the best drive of the day for the Giants defense in the sense that it was a three and out. Um, the Vikings went heavy on third and one in the sense that they tried to spark up a huge play. Um, and that, you know, went against them because they had an eight and protection. We'll get into it in a second, but it starts here with a one yard loss from Dalvin Cook. Giants load the line of scrimmage here and just play the run really well. There's just absolutely nowhere to go. Yeah, and Leonard Williams, man. Look how look how just good Leonard Williams is against the run. He's going up against Brian O'Neill. Watch how he uses his hands and his length, and you can see his power, how he basically bench presses Brian O'Neill off of him. You can see Brian O'Neill trying to get his hands on the chest of Leonard Williams. And look, there's no way Brian O'Neill can engage in any power. He's, he's so upright at this point. Leonard Williams is dominating this rep. And look at what Leonard Williams is able to do with his inside arm and how he's able to just press O'Neill into the backfield to help make this tackle. This is just exceptional run defense from New York. Absolutely. And that, that sets up a second and 11. And the Giants start to bring the pressure here. This is a five-man pressure. A blitz is considered anything where you send more than four players. They send one more here with the middle of the closed look, uh, field look. And they're able to connect with uh, Jefferson on a 10-yard slant here despite that just because there's a lot of space there. A ton of space. And you can see, look, Giants are in some sort of middle of the field close type of look. And there's just so much space for Justin Jefferson, who was kind of one-on-one, -on -one, even though the number two defender is going to be playing over the top of Justin Jefferson. You can see how he reacts with Jihad Ward sinking underneath KJ Osborne and then another safety kind of rotating downward. So the Giants had a unique coverage going on. Ends up going for 10 yards. But again, this is a second and 11. So ends up forcing a third and one. Yeah, third and one, like I said earlier. Six-man pressure from the Giants. They send two extra pass rushers here against an eight-man protection. They're trying to lock in this long, deep post-corner route from Justin Jefferson, and he creates a ton of separation, but thankfully the pressure here, mainly from Dexter Lawrence, again, Dexter Lawrence with the pressure, again, Dexter Lawrence in the backfield, creates an off-target throw. Which is so important, too, and this is such a good route from Justin Jefferson, because just, Justin Jefferson is waiting for Fabian Moreau to work completely over the top of him to where Moreau is going to be inside. You can see how he sells with that hard outside step, and then Moreau is going to continue going, and now he just explodes once he gets to the hash, and look how much space Jefferson has. He's just, he's just insane, like we said, but watching Dexter Lawrence, another insane football player this season, this pressure right here stopped at what could have been a huge gain and a huge early momentum swing for Minnesota in what ended up yeah. being a very close game because Dexter Lawrence just separates and just puts people on ice skates consistently. Having a phenomenal game to this point, really. And that ends in a punt, that drive. So then we do we have one more drive right before the half. It's another three and out from the Vikings. It's their sixth drive of the game. Um, it ends in a sack, actually, which, ends, which actually brings us to the end of the half. Um, starts here with a first and 10. It's just a little five-yarder to TJ Hawkinson. And you can see, again, Dexter Lawrence able to swim over the top of 72 and then provide a hit on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he's just dominant. I put this one on Twitter just because look at the hand usage from him. Oh, yeah. He engages his hands. He grabs cloth, as you could see. He has that outside. Or no, he has the inside right there. And then he works to the half-man relationship, gets hip-to-hip, -hip, 
and then just uses his outside arm to pull down the outside shoulder and then brings his inside arm over the top. Simple type of swim move, and that's just so hard to defend. Yeah, look and it's think how off balance he is. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's unreal what Dexter Lawrence is doing this year. And I also felt like Landon Collins does a good job passing off KJ Osborne, keeping his eyes at this moment. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, KJ Osborne's working through his zone, but Collins looks at Kirk Cousins, sees Kirk Cousins' eyes on where TJ Hawkinson is going to go. So he passes KJ Osborne off, anticipates the throw, and then makes him play on TJ Hawkinson, where there's Cordell Flott and Darnay Holmes also there. Sets up a second and five here. Giants are in deep quarters here trying to protect. It's almost the end of the half. They don't want to give up a big play here. And so it's just a check down for eight yards. Check down for eight yards. You could see Kirk Cousins has a little bit more time, but Giants are completely okay surrendering a little quick yes. path to TJ Hawkinson. Now here's a yeah. fun look, a prevent look at the end of the half, trying to maybe dial up a, a Hail Mary. I don't know why they were trying. This is such a far Hail Mary attempt if they were going to do it. Um, and there's a five-man pressure because – I feel like anytime the Giants are going to face Hail Mary, Wink is that is going to blitz at least one extra guy because that's just the type of coordinator he is against these Hail Mary looks. Uh, and they get there with five, with a five-man pressure. Yeah, they get home. Tony Jefferson is the fifth rusher, and he loops all the way around from the opposite B-gap as the looper with O'Shane Zimenez, who Martindale loves using as the penetrator on a lot of these long-developing type of twists in these types of situations. But it's Leonard Williams and O'Shane Zimenez who end up kind of getting home to finish Kirk Cousins off on this sack. Really, it seems like Leonard Williams just uses a bull rush and ends up kind of dominating the rep and then just getting shoved into the legs of Kirk Cousins. And that ends the half. And I mean, really successful half of the Giants defense. We came in expecting them to get kind of walloped in some ways on defense. They don't have the personnel. This is a high-powered offense. And really, they only had one really bad drive and one somewhat bad drive. It's pretty good stuff. It is pretty good stuff. I mean, they got to be proud of what they're doing up until this point. And they've held Justin Jefferson in check for the most part in the first half. Right. The second half wasn't as uh, wasn't as good. <laughs> yep. Starts here with a little pass to TJ Hawkinson in the flat for nine yards. Quick game here. Um, take advantage of the leverage here. Take advantage of the Giants kind of aggressiveness here. Um, and nine yard gain set up a second one. Yeah, Julian Love ends up blitzing, and Kirk Cousins quickly sees that, and he knows that the Giants have been playing off all games, so he knows TJ Hawkinson's going to have so much space to operate in the flat. Right. That's exactly what happens, like you said, nine yards. Then they run a uh, halfback stretch. I haven't seen them, this play run against the Giants that often this year. Um, maybe a staple of the O'Connell playbook. I expect the Giants to do a good job against this play, but it ends up being a huge cutback lane created, and Dalvin takes it for seven. Yeah, I mean, the Giants... These cutback lanes on these halfback wide zone and stretch zone, when they're running from 12 personnel, you can see how the Giants linebackers are all really over-pursuing. Again, right. Michael McFadden's over-pursuing, similar to what we saw earlier in the game. And then Dalvin Cook anticipates that. He knows that. Jason Pinnock is in good position to kind of fill, but still seven yards surrendered on a run play is not something that you want. So that's going to set up a a nice uh, what is it, third down situation. That was situation. the second one, so it's first and ten oh, yeah. now. Okay. Um, yep. You have a nice – you have a really nice – play again by Dexter Lawrence, who once again wins his matchup, forces the pressure, which forces the errant throw from Kirk Cousins. Um, so just another example, look at 72, who on the ground, the offensive lineman, Dexter Lawrence beats him again. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence able to just use that swim move again. He's just going to that swim move. It's something he's used all year. And Kirk Cousins, I mean, this is kind of a strong play by Kirk Cousins. I feel like a lot of quarterbacks would get stacked in this situation. Cousins does a really good job manipulating the pocket, stepping up to his right to avoid full contact. And then it looks like Julian Love is upset with 
upset uh, with the referee that TJ Hawkinson was holding him, preventing him from getting right. It should have been offensive pass interference, I think. And let's see, yeah, Julian Love is in excellent position, and it looks like TJ Hawkinson's holding. Yeah, I think so. I think this should have definitely been OPI because which they never Love call. Is, yeah, of course, unless it's the Giants, and it, it does seem like that. I don't want to sound like a, just a bitchy fan, but Giants have been called for several of those throughout uh, this season, at least. But you can see Love is in position to intercept this ball, and he's reacting, right. but he can't, and then he puts it to the ground. Yeah, I really think that the refs missed a call on this one. Agreed. But it does set up a second and seven here. And the Giants, like you said, a lot fewer cover one looks, a lot more like these quarters types looks. Um, and here we go. Quarters look, coverage is good. All Cousins can do is check down to Dalvin Cook here. Go all the way through his full progression on the right side. Comes back to the left to find Dalvin. Yep, Dalvin Cook just sitting in the flat. Again, not a lot of people around Dalvin Cook because the Giants are just dropping to depth. But you can see everybody's covered up. There's a lot of attention being paid to Justin Jefferson. You see how aggressive the apex defender, and this time it's Landon Collins, but how aggressive he is flowing underneath Justin Jefferson with Fabian Moreau over the top and the safety over the top of him. Now, it's not only for Justin Jefferson because TJ Hawkinson is in that area, as is Dalvin Cook, who's releasing down that way. But there's really nowhere for Cousins to go with this football. So check down to Cook, and then Landon Collins comes downhill. Actually misses a tackle, which is very rare for him. But then Fabian Moreau and Smith are right there to kind of clean it up. Here comes a third and seven, another live, live and die with the blitz type play. This is a call I used to call a lot in Madden and get burned every time I did it. Fire zone. <laughs> and later in the game, the Giants are going to get burned for a big play on this. But here it disrupts the timing of the route. The Giants, obviously, you can see, get pressure on Cousins and it forces an errant throw and it's a punt. If fire zone means five man pressure is coming, one guy's going to drop off the line of scrimmage and then Pinnock is going to be the defender who ends up blitzing. He's initially over the top of TJ Hawkinson. So the Giants and we, Giants ran this a lot against Carolina, if you remember. And yep. Baker Mayfield was able to connect with Ian Thomas and, and Giovanni Ritchie, I think the other tight end's name was. But you can see Julian Love, who's like, what? 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage, he's going to be responsible for TJ Hawkinson with Jihad Ward working from the line of scrimmage on the backside all the way over. But Cousins doesn't really see it right away. And by the time he throws it, it's just off target to Justin Jefferson on the outside in a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And the Giants are able to force that punt. Yep, and that will be a successful drive for the Giants. And then on the eighth drive, though, the Vikings get it back going again on offense. This one's a 12-play, 75-yard touchdown drive for the Vikings. I think this is the one that ended with the Hawkinson TD, his second of the game. Um, and so we're going to start here with a first and 10, and it's just a four-yard run for Dalvin Cook. Four-yard run for Dalvin Cook with, I would say, some pretty good defense by Kayvon Thibodeau against tight end against Johnny Munt, who is a blocking tight end. That's their 12 personnel packages are running to the double Y set, which is actually on the boundary side. But you can see how Kayvon Thibodeau is able to fight off 86, get outside, and then make this tackle on Dalvin Cook. Strong play from the rookie. Micah McFadden was also in the area to help with the tackle. Yeah, somewhat quiet game for Thibodeau, to be honest. But this was a good play by him in the run defense. It was, it was. But now that sets up a second and six. Four-yard rushes, it's a solid It's a solid rush for the offense to start on first down. Yeah, it's, it's definitely what they would consider a win for sure. Um, but this second and six, you're going to see once again the Giants get burned for their second screen. And this is the fire zone blitz again. This time, you know, you live and die by the blitz. This was a great call because you'll see O'Connell. He's going to call this screen to the blitz side. So that's just perfect because all the Giants defenders are blitzing here on that side. And what does that leave? A wide open Munt. And Munt just has so much space and blockers in front of him. I think Munt is just a funny name, man. A it wide open Munt. 
Yeah, this oh, ends up my. going for a big 16-yard gain. When you are able to call a, a, a screen to the side of a blitz and the blitzers don't get home, it's just a win for the offense. Look, yes. you have two blockers in space on Jalen Smith alone, and Munt is a big hur- lumbering type of tight end. He's not going to you know burn you, but 16 yards to a guy like him on, on this type of play where he caught the football near the line of scrimmage is never good for the defense. And that'll set up a first and 10 here. The Giants come out with a cover six look here. And this is one of the best, arguably the best play of the rookie season for Cordell Flott. He makes a great read on this. He undercuts Adam Thielen, and he just can't hold on to the interception. It was close. It was originally ruled an interception, but after review, they called it back. Giants might win this football game if he was able to secure this. And it it wasn't an interception. It did hit the ground. But this is an excellent play. Like you said, man, he's able to just undercut this. Watch his eyes. Watch what he understands, what's going on. Looks like a cover six type look. So he has a quarter, deep quarter. He's looking at Kirk Cousins at this moment if you're watching on YouTube. And then he just positions himself right into the throwing lane, intercepts this. It's just so unfortunate that he wasn't able to really secure it. And Cousins trying to fit that into a tight window, man. That is a bold throw with Micah McFadden yeah. dropping to the depth that he dropped to. Someone over the top. This isn't Justin Jefferson. What are you doing there, Kirky? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download Bet, Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit W ynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the Win Bet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During Win Bet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on Win Bet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through Win Bet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call. 
1-800-522-4700. I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section, and it was mountain spring water from the Alps, and it was called Liquid Death. And I thought to myself, do I want to try this beverage that is named Liquid Death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst, and their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some liquid death, and I enjoyed it. I was parched, and then I drank it, so I was not. So if you want to try some of this liquid death, go get liquid death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Yep. And so that sets up a second and 10. This was a big changing, you know, game changing play because it was the play Leonard Williams got hurt on, eventually came back in, but they make a stop for two yards and then they're called for defensive holding. So instead of a third and eight, it's an automatic first and 10. Dude, look at what Leonard Williams does too. He like tosses that guy aside and ends up getting in the way. You can see he's definitely, he's definitely is that in, a pain, hold in your mind. Is that, a, is that a good call? I, I was the call on Leonard Williams? Yeah, I think it was. I mean, he grabs him and throws him aside. I feel like we see stuff like that all the time. He's not necessarily restricting 71 from climbing to the second level. I'm guessing they're right. calling it because it restricted 72 from climbing to 54, but he's not even holding him. Like he tossed him aside and then made a play. So no, I don't really I don't really like the call, but you don't really see that called too often, right? Like it's not something that we right. see all that often. So I mean, maybe by the letter of the law it could be, but I don't really think so i don't think that really makes sense yeah neither but it was called set up a first and 10 here and the giants finally read the screen well on this one fabian moreau kind of gets up there makes a play on it and they try to run the screen to justin jefferson this time and it's just a one yard gain yeah good nice tackle from fabian moreau to restrict justin jefferson who again has been relatively quiet up until this point yeah the giants just up to this point had done a good job on jefferson um, you'll see that could change pretty soon. But um, <laughs> here on the second and nine, it's going to happen right there. Just a little dig route from Justin Jefferson. And this is a good job by Cousins to anticipate the window of where to throw this into. And look how tight this window is. I mean, look, he's throwing that in between defenders. Yeah, Landon Collins recognizes what's going on. The Giants are in a quarters look once again. You can see Landon Collins paying attention to Kirk Cousins, but Cousins just brings a dart. And right as Justin Jefferson catches his football, there's basically a triangle around him of just defenders, but the giants are at such a depth with two high safeties that no one is really able to click and close and, and really give a big hit to Justin Jefferson to possibly right. force an incomplete pass. But it's not even like Justin Jefferson drops the ball. Even when he gets walloped as we saw against Stefan Gilmore last week. Yep. And that sets up a, another first and 10 here. This is a little outside run. The Vikings are going to try, but the giants do a great job here. You'll see Ward, You'll see Flot and, you know, even Ellers. I think that's is that who's no, not Ellers and Smith. Uh, Jalen Smith, obviously, make the make the play here to make the tackle. <laughs> Ellers and Smith. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I was I thinking think Josh, Smith in my head. Jahad Ward just does a really good job 
extending this run and then shedding and then getting to Dalvin Cook, but it's really Cordell Flott and Jalen Smith. Yeah. Jalen Smith has to keep his chest clean from that guard who climbs. He takes the hit and then he's able to just re-square himself. And then Flott, somebody who you don't necessarily associate with run support, comes up really well here and just stays square, goes low, and then makes that tackle. So good play by all three of the defenders. Yep. Sets up a second and nine. Another quarters look from the Giants here. And you're just going to get a nice tackle in the flat as they try to find Dalvin Cook, see if they can maybe create something after the catch here. But nothing really there. Just a four-yard gain. Yeah, we see Kirk Cousins go through his progressions and everything. And, and look, there's just nothing for him to really throw the football to. The Giants have everything kind of on lockdown. So he just check the football down to Dalvin Cook, which I don't even know if it's a pass because it's well behind him yeah. when Kirk Cousins releases it. So fantasy football, you know, this this could come back and bite you in the ass if it's a close matchup, and this was ruled a catch. I'm not really 100% sure, but the Giants rally and tackle Dalvin Cook. I feel like the Giants do a pretty good job in these types of situations when they are uh, when little checkdowns go to running backs. They really do a good job positioning themselves yeah. and making the tackle in space. Yeah, they do rally well to the football. It's one of the Wink Martindale coaching points, I think. So it sets up a third and five here, a chance for the Giants to get off the field here, but they are unable to here. Um, you just get a nice little man beater with Justin Jefferson here and Cousins going to find him for a fifth or five yard gain. Yeah. Justin Jefferson's the number two to the field. The number one of the field just runs directly towards Darnay Holmes, takes his cornerback with him. And now Darnay Holmes needs to work over the top of the pick. Justin Jefferson has a space to catch the football and pick up the first down. That sets up a first and 10. They're going to try a little play action rollout here. And you're going to see a great play by Julian Love at the catch point here to stop this for an incomplete pass. Yeah, Julian Love, man, I'm telling you, he's, we always talk about Julian Love and how he's an underrated player. This could have been an interception, man. He gets to this this football, and I don't think this football is optimally, optimally placed by Kirk Cousins, but good play by Love overall just to get to the near hip of K.J. Osborne. I mean, that's a that's a good angle, and you know Love has a lot of speed for his safety. He's a former cornerback, but look how like he, he kind of like stays parallel to K.J. Osborne and how he stays over the top of him to play this football. I just feel like that's an impressive angle that he took. He could have took a more shallow angle and then KJ Osborne would have just outran him and it would have ended up being six for Minnesota. But that's a good overall play by Julian Love. Great play by Love there. One of the better plays from the defense in this game, which sets up a second and 10 look. We're going to see cores. So what are the Vikings going to do? Just a little stick route to Hawkinson to kind of set them into a third and manageable here. Third and manageable situation. We're going to get the stick route. TJ Hawkinson, he's been open on these for a lot of the game. And it's Landon Collins who has to react. And when you have to give a tight end a two-way go, you know, it's difficult to react because like we said a little bit earlier, playing defense is a reactionary type of position. And when you're in rhythm, and TJ Hawkinson hasn't been in Minnesota long, but he's in rhythm with Kirk Cousins as, unfortunately, we saw in this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now third and five, Giants have a chance to get off the field, stop him for a field goal, but... They run a really nice man beater again here. That's kind of what's been their MO, right? On these third downs, Giants are going to run man coverage. So let's put in man beaters. And that opens up that spot for TJ Hawkinson. And just what an incredible, incredible throw, incredible catch, incredible everything here. It is an incredible play. And you have, what, five-man pressure package. Hattie's going to drop off the line of scrimmage. TJ Hawkinson's the number three receiver in a bunch, and he just runs around everybody outside the numbers. Julian Love has to undercut everyone, and I feel like Love does a solid job, but he's out of position. And then the Giants have Darnay Holmes sink away from his assignment into the throwing lane, but somehow Hawkinson's able to come down with it. Just an unreal, really throw and catch from TJ Hawkinson, because I actually thought the Giants played it pretty well, all things considered. All right, the next drive ends on downs. 
The Giants are able to come up with a huge fourth down stop here to keep them in the game. It starts with a six-yard run from Dalvin Thompson. Good job by McFadden here, but in the end, as we've kind of said throughout these games, they still end up getting a six-yard gain. Yeah, we've seen McFadden, though, really over-pursue a lot of these stretch-wide zone type of plays. Here, McFadden's a little bit more disciplined. He sees that tackle climb up to the second level, and then he knows that cutback lane's there. Giants have been abused by that cutback, what, twice in this game, so he doesn't over-pursue. He just sticks himself right into the uh, cutback lane and ends up tripping up Dalvin Cook, but still, like you said, six yards. On the second four coming up right after that, not as great a play from McFadden. It's an 18-yard gain from Madison. I think it's third. Is it? It's 18 yards? Oh, geez. I thought it was 13 yards. Yeah, 18, 18 for Madison. Yeah, I think it was 13 yards. Sorry. Yeah, 13 yards, and Michael McFadden just gets blown up on this play. He just gets run over. Now, he's leaning backwards to try and make the tackle. But it's never a good sign on film when you're on your back and there's right. an offensive lineman on top of him. And then Jason Pinnock does a really good job delivering a nice low hit on Alexander Madison to restrict us from being an even bigger game. But this was Madison's best run and one of the better runs from Minnesota on the day. That sets up a first and 10 here. It's the first cover zero look of the day from Wink Martindale, someone who usually uses that a little more than most coordinators. Um, luckily, you get a PBU from Jihad Ward here. It's also pretty good coverage on the back end if you want to check out 28 against Thielen. That's Cordell Flott. Yeah, Cordell Flott, he stays on top of Thielen. And once Thielen breaks, you can see how quick Flott is to just click and close downhill. Like That's pretty instinctual right there. Once he breaks, Flott is just taking an angle right to Thielen's hip. And I'm wondering if this doesn't get knocked down. I don't think Flott gets his hand on it, but it's not the most ridiculous thought. I, I, I don't think he does. Good job by Jihad Ward to get his hand on it. And you can see how the Giants are just bringing pressure. At this point, Kayvon Thibodeau gets a free hit on Kirk Cousins. But I, I just appreciated how disciplined and how patient and just how confident Flot looked on this specific rep. Yeah, it was a great rep from him. And so that sets up a second and 10. What are the Vikings going to do? A lot of what they did all game, which is set up third and manageable. So this is a cover two look from the Giants. Keep everything underneath and seven yarder to TJ Hawkinson. Yep, TJ <clears throat> Hawkinson again, man. Guy's been open most of the day. You can see there's two guys outside of Hawkinson, right? And Dalvin Cook starting to release into space. But Hawkinson does a great job just flowing back to the inside where there's another covering defender, and Kirk Cousins feels that. It's that same type of whip route. Look how much attention is being paid to Hawkinson at this point. At the top of the screen, you have someone open. I think that might be Justin Jefferson, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. right? <laughs> if you look at the top of the screen, a little double move. And even though there's a lot of attention being paid to Justin Jefferson with two defenders, there's a lot of space space for Kirk Cousins from the field side, but he just takes the Hawkinson little whip route inside. And that's going to set up a third and three. Vikings try to run mesh here, something they try to run a lot of uh, against man coverage. And it's a really good job by Darnay Holmes to make an open field tackle here. And this stops for just one yard gain. Yeah, Darnay Holmes, look, he's following Adam Thielen. And he sees Kirk Cousins looking towards him, realizing that there's going to be another route mesh. This is a common concept in the NFL. Vikings already ran it against them. So he just stays in his spot, passes the routes off, makes a really strong open field tackle. And Darnay Holmes is going to make another very good play on this fourth and two. Yeah, the fourth and two. This is a huge stop for the Giants. Big momentum swing. And once again, you're going to see a good play from Darnay Holmes. Yep, this is a route that Adam Thielen afterwards i don't think he was supposed to run a go route but he recognized the cover and thought he would be open because fabian moreau expands outward and the safety's on the hash with justin jefferson running the deep seven so we thought he was going to be open but he kind of just almost runs into justin jefferson and then i felt like 
Darnay Holmes does a really good job from like a safety type of position, just getting to the catch point and forcing this incomplete pass. Like Darnay Holmes is a player that yeah. has had an up and down career here in New York. I thought this was one of his better games overall, even though he got cooked by Justin Jefferson a couple of times. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And so that's a nice little uh, stop for the Giants there to keep them in the game here. And it's going to set up the 10th drive here, which is another great stop. This one, I think, believe was right before the uh, the the punt block. So this was a good opportunity for the Giants to kind of gain the momentum back. And they forced a three and out here just before that. So let's take a look at this drive, this three and out drive. We'll start here with a tight formation, uh, with a tight front versus an I formation. Both Dexter Lawrence and Julian Love do a great job on here. And it's a no gain run for da uh, Dexter, for Dalvin Cook. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence, man. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the the center and the guard get their feet tangled up, and that's why the center takes the tumble that he does. But we know Dexter Lawrence does stuff like this to other professional NFL players as well, and he's able to make this tackle from uh, one shade almost, kind of like a nose. Julian Love, too, man. Love to see Love just fill and take out C.J. Ham from this play and force all of these other rallying and pursuit defenders to make the tackle on Dalvin Cook. This is a really good drive from the Giants. Really good at a key time, too. So then you're going to get a second and 10. They're going to try to run a double move here with a stick and nod. And you're going to see TJ Hawkinson is open, but the pressure gets there and it leads to a sack. Getting sacks on these big second down plays. You can see, though, this is a beautiful route from TJ Hawkinson against Landon Collins. Landon Collins plays the plays the stick in the flat and then watch how open over the middle of the field TJ Hawkinson actually is. But it doesn't really matter because the Giants are able to sack Kirk Cousins, as you said, and it's kind of just a rally sack by Leonard Williams, right. Dexter Lawrence, and then Jalen Smith is the player who kind of cleans it up. And if we watch it on the end zone angle as it loads up a little bit, it looks like it's just Leonard Williams just bullying 72 right back into Kirk Cousins and then using that swim move, just using his length, those active hands, swims over the top. Dexter Lawrence is right there, and then good job by Jalen Smith putting himself in a position to kind of clean up the sack. Yeah, and good to see that, uh, Leonard Williams having a nice rep here despite coming back from the injury looks like he should be good to go based on that so it sets up a third and 17 tough down in distance for any offense uh the vikings are just gonna throw a little check down to hawkinson for nine really the pressure yeah, gets you, there and there's no real option kirk cousins tries the uh aaron Rodgers where he rolled yeah. out the yeah. or, or the russell wilson yeah tj hawkinson just gets uprooted here though over the middle of the field taking hits like that is, ugh, it looks bad but you know it's completely legal he doesn't go high or anything goes right out of right. his legs and just takes him out good aggressive play by julian love and so Giants are doing great here, right? They just forced a fourth down stop the drive before. Here's a three and out. Defense is making stops. This half, they so far have a forced punt on five plays. They get a long touchdown drive, but then fourth down stop and a three and out. That's three of four drives where they held their end of the bargain by far, the Giants defense, um, despite the matchup. But, of course, this one, short field, 29 yards after a ridiculously stupid block punt. And what happens at touchdown here? Um, so just nothing stupid you can do. Punt. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just it's a stupid So block dumb, punt. dude. Yeah, again, man, you can't have that happen on the road. You know, like the Giants made so many just stupid mistakes in this game, man, and they were still able to be competitive, which is one thing. But still, man, you shoot yourself in the foot so many times, you don't deserve to win either. True. So here's a four yard run over the left end uh, by Dalvin Cook. Yep. Nice tackle by Jalen Smith and Jahad Ward to keep Dalvin Cook at bay, which isn't the easiest thing to do. And now we have a second and six here. It's going to be an eight yard completion to Osborne to keep the chains moving. 
Yep, it's just quick, right along the line of scrimmage, get the football to K.J. Osborne with two stalk blockers. You know, the Giants run plays very similar to this, but picks up a first down because he gets basically isolated against Jalen Smith, who has to cover a lot of ground to get outside with those two guys blocking. What a block there by T.J. Hawkinson against Darnay Holmes. Watch how he drives Darnay Holmes out of bounds. That's what a tight end will do, right? Yeah, especially from Iowa. Those Iowa yeah, tight exactly. Block. So that sets up a first and 10. The Giants actually have a string of two good plays to get the Vikings to the third and 10. They just can't hold their end of the bargain on a third and 10. But this first and 10 situation is an incomplete pass to Dalvin Cook here. Good job by the Giants not biting um, and just doing a good job making the making the play. Yeah, it's a little play action type of pass. Giants are very aggressive. They bring both of their edge defenders. So like basically a double nickel blitz with, if you want to include uh, Michael McFadden as a nickel. You can see how they all come. A lot of pressure, but Dexter Lawrence reads it. It's kind of like a halfback middle screen. And this is something that I feel like Dexter Lawrence does has done consistently yeah, throughout his career. Yeah, he reads screens right? so well. Good point. And watch how he just tosses the center aside or the guard or whoever that is, and he's right on. How amazing would it have been, Dan, if Dexter Lawrence was able to intercept that? <laughs> <laughs> would have been quite quite a play by him. Would have changed the game. Uh, second and 10 here. They're going to try to get a short pass uh, to, to Justin Jefferson going, but the Giants do a good job defending this one as well. And this is something, again, another little short pass, little screen. And you can see how Landon Collins reads this, does his little shimmy dance. Good play by the Giants to set up what would be, what, a third down and what is it? Third and 10. Third and 10. Really oh. good chance on third and 10 for them to get off the field here. Unfortunately, you're going to see a 17-yard touchdown to Justin Jefferson here. I mean, look, this is a good timing route between the quarterback and the receiver, and this is just a tough one to defend for the Giants. And the Giants have the coverage over top of them. They have Fabian Moreau in trail, right. and they have someone over the top, but it doesn't matter on a deep dig route like that. And that's a really good ball by Kirk Cousins away from Fabian Moreau, and Jefferson's able to catch it and fall into the end zone. And that's just what Justin Jefferson does, man. He's able to do things like this. You can double cover him. You can bracket him in the red zone. It doesn't really freaking matter. It's, he could still score touchdowns against you. That's exactly right. No, it's so that's a touchdown for the Vikings. Gives them, um, you know, seven points on the board. Put really took back the momentum in this game. But the Giants are able to then drive back down, score their touchdown, get the two point conversion. We'll run through the final drive of this game. It's an eight play, thirty three yard drive that ends in the field goal here. Um, and so, just not exactly what you want from the Giants here, obviously. But what are you going to do here? <laughs> I mean, at this point, we've we've gone over this before. It starts with the incompletion to Justin Jefferson, though. Yeah, incompletion to Justin Jefferson, and at that point, you're like, okay, maybe they won't get in a field goal range because right. anything 65 or or less, or or you know, 65 or less, I, I'm automatically chalking up at the end of the game to be a success for <laughs> the opposing offense. But yeah, this this play is just a little inside slant, and the Giants cover it up well. But the throw is there for Kirk Cousins. It's just, right. I don't think Justin Jefferson gets alligator arms, but Tony Jefferson's presence might have altered Jefferson's ability to to really take this pass in and you could see how Justin Jefferson or Tony Jefferson kind of flies to the catch point from a position where he was originally aligned on the line of scrimmage. You can see it. It's a little sketchy in terms of loading up and yeah, that's, that would have been, he would have took a huge hit Justin Jefferson if he, if he was able to hang on to that football. Yeah, that would have been a bad one for him. Second down and 10, the Giants are actually able to force the Vikings into a third and nine situation uh, to check down to Hawkinson for one yard here. You're, anytime you're in a third and nine situation, it's a, it's a great place to be. 
because Nick McLeod does a great job of keeping his eyes on Kirk Cousins, keeping his eyes in front of him and not biting right. on Adam Thielen's slant routes. That's just supposed to clear Nick McLeod out. Look how much space there would have been. McLeod, understanding his responsibility, stays where he is. And if a number two comes underneath into the flat, he has a responsibility of the number two. And he was able to execute his assignment well to put the Giants defense into an advantageous situation. Third and nine here in a tie game. I mean, if they don't get this, they might be, they're probably hunting the ball, but they're able to connect a uh, 16 yarder to Justin Jefferson to extend the drive. Yep. He gets isolated against Darnay Holmes at the number two receiver. Giants just bring a shit ton of pressure. And you have Darnay Holmes basically in some sort of trail position to the inside with an over the top defender, but nobody can pay attention to the out route, man. If it's well timed and well placed, then it's going to be completed. And that's exactly what it was by Kirk Cousins, despite the fact that he took a huge hit. A great throw under duress for sure. Set up a first intense situation here, uh, where he's gonna just check down and take six yards over the middle with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook able to just pick up a couple yards here for the New York Giants, soft coverage, just take what's there and get in a field goal range. That's exactly what the Vikings unfortunately were able to do. But then there's a huge play on second and four. Landon Collins gets the sack here. It feels like we're in a position again to potentially win this game by setting up a third and eleven, clocks ticking, there's no timeouts at this point, or maybe one timeout um not exactly sure i don't remember but you know unfortunately even after the sack they're able to get the screen and the giants man they, they bring like a, a, a strange blitz where it seems like a, some of the players didn't really end up coming they ended up just kind of watching kirk cousins to see where he was going to go and try to like bat the football down because look yeah a lot of people are backing off right here like Lennon collins isn't even rushing and then he sees the the a gap kind of open up and he just kind of sprints right through it I felt like that was an interesting blitz type of call or just how the Giants sort of reacted to it. And there really wasn't much for Kirk Cousins to do at this point. Everything's covered up pretty well by the Giants. Right. And so here's the third and 11. Effectively the last play of the game because then there was a spike by Kirk Cousins. So I was wrong. There was no timeout. There's enough time to spike it. Um, and this is just a 17-yard gain off a screen to Justin Jefferson. It's the second time we've seen the Giants burn late in the game. Once McLaurin, now to Jefferson on these screens. And this is a screen away from the blitz side. You see how the Giants right. pressure a lot on the blitz side, but it's just really well executed by Minnesota. Watch Jefferson takes that step forward to back up all those defenders who are already like six, seven yards off of him. And he comes back underneath all those blockers. And, you know, he's, like I said, you slow it down. I think these linemen, they're not even like more than a yard down the field at the point of the throw. They just run along that line and it allows Jefferson to catch and just run behind them. And the Giants don't really do anything to stop it, which is unfortunate. Julian Love makes the tackle and, Sixty-one yarder. Unfortunately, let's get into some superlatives here. Not a great defensive film in my mind, at least one for sure best player. But let's start with unheralded player for you. Unheralded player for the New York Giants on the defensive side of the football. Let's go with Jahad Ward. It's not always Mm -hmm. perfect, but I feel like he made some plays here that that uh, put the Giants into a better position that they wouldn't have been in if it wasn't for his individual effort. So I'm going to go with Ward. Want to give a quick shout out to my buddy. Phil DeLemme, uh, old-time friend. We used to hang out a bunch when we lived in the city. We used to play basketball at his apartment. There was like this little basketball court. I'll tell you why I'm bringing it up in a second because I have a question for you, Nick. But this little basketball court in the basement of his apartment, 
we used to call it the jungle because it was essentially like a racquetball court with a hoop. And so we used to play two on two down there and just, it was physical down there. There was multiple injuries. I tore my P- or meniscus at one point. That was like a nine month process. Uh, my friend, John Kersner had like 72 injuries down there, just physical contact, basically basketball. And just those jungle days were the best. We would play like two, three times a week, just get insane work at him. But Phil wanted to know, he's a big fan of the podcast. He listens to them all. He was curious to get your take and my take on the idea of, and you bring up Jihad Ward, the idea of kind of rotating in and out Jihad Ward on the edge with Ojolari because Ojolari passed our specialist who's kind of struggled at times to set the edge and the opposite with Ward, a really good edge setter, someone who can help in the run game. What are your thoughts on that possibility? I feel like the Giants have done that, right? I mean, I yeah. feel like they're already kind of doing that. It's not always in like obvious passing situations because I do feel like the Giants, they'll they'll have like Ojolari out there for a certain amount of plays, even on first down. It doesn't necessarily matter. And then there are other packages where the uh, where they bring in the Justin Ellis's and the Jihad Wards and the Oshane Zimenez to spell. They're they're a very package based team instead of a situational. I don't think Ojolari is is so bad as a run defender to where he has to be subbed out. I just think that he's def- that's his weak point, and I feel like right. offenses know it as well. I'm not opposed though to putting Hattie out there a little bit more on those first and ten in those obvious run type of situations, but there is already a solid, I think, mixture between the uh, the personnel packages. And honestly, man, like I think Hattie having him out there, he had a sick inside spin move that we didn't get to, and I'm a little upset because I did put it on Twitter. If anybody wants to put it out, but it's a pretty big downgrade in terms of rushing the passer from right. Hattie to Ojolari. Like Ojolari, Ojolari might be the best pass rusher right now on this team. That that's yeah. not a deep lineman because Dexter Lawrence what he's able to do from the interior like I don't know if I don't even think Ojolari is as impactful as Dexter Lawrence has been but as much as I love Kayvon the juice that Ojolari has is it's hard to replicate right like I don't think even Kayvon has that I think Kayvon still has a higher ceiling than an Ojolari but just the overall juice and the bendiness that we're seeing from Aziz Ojolari in the short amount that he's played this year I think you kind of want to have him out there anytime there could be a passing situation and I don't think he's bad enough as a run defender to only play in pass rushing situations, if that makes sense. No, I think that makes a ton of sense. My take on it would be similar to Nick. I don't really want to go into this like guessing run situation because on early downs, a lot of teams will throw, but I am open to the idea, Phil, of them and to all them, everybody listening in of them kind of doing it situationally based on opponent, right? Like when you're facing the teams that want to run a lot. The Giants have struggled a lot against the run. So on th- against those kind of teams, I like the idea of using Jihad Ward more on the early downs and on the not so obvious pass downs where you might get a team like Washington who's going to run the ball a lot. And that might happen this week against Indianapolis because they were so bad throwing the ball. They might have to, if they were smart, they would just run the board of ran the ball every down last night. Basically, I felt, I felt like they took six points off the board in their first two drives just simply by not running the ball. Um, but that might, they might amend that this week against the Giants, the Colts. And so against that type of team, I think it's a good idea. Um, just kind of depends on the opponent for me. But I'll give my unheralded player, and it's going to be Landon Collins here. Landon Collins yeah. had the PBU on the key third down. He had the sack. Those are the splash plays. But I like the plays that you mentioned on film where he, you saw just him being a tick faster than the, from an instinct standpoint than a lot of the players who have played in that second and third level for the Giants where he almost jumped in a passing lane to make an interception. Or he let the receiver go through and then made a play on a, on, on a, on a mesh concept coming back that way. Just little things that he did that are just like, okay, interesting. I like the way they look. So I'll give it to Collins. How about your highest effort player on tape? It's Dexter Lawrence, and he's going to be my best player too. Spoiler alert. It's just yeah. Dexter. It's hard to go against Dexter Lawrence. And I think Cordell Flock could have got unheralded player too. Just a, okay. another player, a young guy who I felt like from a discipline st- standpoint, he looked pretty 
okay. I would say okay in this game. It wasn't yeah. perfect or anything, but he had plays where I feel like he could have had a huge impact if it was, you know, a centimeter difference, i.e. the interception or that PBU right. by Ward that uh, he put himself in a position to possibly get a PBU on that play. So I'm going to go with Dexter Lawrence, so highest effort. I'm going to go with Lawrence, though. I think a close runner-up for me would be Darnay Holmes. I think the effort he has on some of those like plays right around the line of scrimmage, whether it be the pass or the run, they're, they're always high. But I'll give it to Lawrence, who's also my best player as well. I mean, Lawrence was by far and away the best player on tape this week. It wasn't even close. Thibodeau wasn't really in competition. Leonard was maybe a, a far distant second, if anything. None of the corners, none of the linebackers, for sure. None of the safeties. So definitely the best player. It wasn't. It's interesting. The Giants didn't really give up that many points, but they didn't, I feel like they didn't play that great on defense. It was a very weird game. Where I just I don't I don't know exactly what happened <laughs> in that sense. Um, all right, let's wrap this thing up with a pass rushing grade one through ten, and then a run. I think the pass rushing grade is good, man. Just because Dexter yeah. Lawrence and Lenny were just dominant. Uh, I'm gonna go with a seven point nine. Yep, I think I'm going 7-2, a little lower just because there were some plays where I felt like Cousins had a decent amount of time there, but definitely a pretty good effort. How about run defense? Run defense was much better going up against his own base team, right? Still yeah. wasn't great, though. Like they, 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 weren't, great. they weren't disciplined against those cutback lanes, which goes back yeah. to the linebackers. And it felt like the one play Michael McFadden in the third quarter was like, okay, I got to like stay here. But they over-pursue a lot. They're not always in position, but it's not as egregious as what we've seen earlier in the season. So let's go with a 4-8. Yeah, I'm in the 4-2 range. I feel like this was just like, I don't know. This was a good matchup, but I don't think they even did that great against a good matchup. There were a lot of plays where like, oh, that's still a four-yard game. Oh, that's still a six-yard game. I just don't think this run defense is getting fixed this year. Unfortunately, I don't think it's ever going to get better until they add personnel to the second level, and hopefully they'll do that this offseason. I don't think there's any way they can't, right? They're not going to like walk back in the next season like, you know what? We got Beavers coming off the ACL. We got Jalen Smith. We got McFadden. They're not going to do that. They know there's no possible way. I think they're going to add multiple linebackers this offseason, personally. I'm not saying they have to draft them. They could find him in free agency. They could do what they did with Jalen Smith and like kind of like, you know, deep in free agency. But I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But right now, I don't I don't love what I see at the second level, obviously. No, neither do I. It's hard to really love it at this yeah. point. It's been a it's been a pretty big liability on this. And it's hard for, for us while. to paint a like optimistic picture more so than anything else. And that's why there's a, that's why there's the off season, man. That's why there's the yeah. draft. That's why you can allocate some of your resources towards that position to really solidify this run defense because you have a really good foundation in place right. on this defense. Now you just need to kind of add more and more bricks to make it a little bit better and a little bit more fortified. For sure. All right, that's all we have today on the Big Blue Banter podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.